0: Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, November 20th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. So I'm actually traveling This week for the 10th Amendment Center, and in order to get a podcast out on Friday, I had to pre-record, so I'm actually talking to you on Wednesday. And of course, that means we're only halfway through the week, and that means there may be some interesting goings-on later in the week that I don't mention in the show. But of course, there's still plenty to talk about And, um, you know, sometimes you just got to flex with what the schedule hands you. So anyway, the beginning of this week has looked really a bit like last week. Another pharmaceutical company announced successful coronavirus vaccine trials, and that juiced the stock markets and put some selling pressure on gold, although not nearly to the extent as we saw with the Pfizer announcement last week. Now, I covered this in depth. Uh, last week, and I made the case that the coronavirus vaccine isn't going to give us immunity from the Federal Reserve. And of course, this is still true this week. But I want to touch on a question that Peter Schiff raised in his podcast. Why are stocks rallying on the prospects of a vaccine? I mean, in, in a way, it doesn't make any sense if you really stop and dig down into it. Now, obviously, a vaccine is good news for the economy. People could go back to living relatively normal lives. You know, movie theaters could open back up. People would probably start traveling again. We could have concerts. We could actually see fans in sports stadiums. And some people would probably be able to go back to work. So, yeah, that's good news. And you would expect stocks to rally on good news. So, On the surface, it makes sense. The problem here is that the market never priced in the bad news. I mean, sure, we had the big sell-off in stocks in March, but since then, the trajectory has been nothing but up, and the stock market is actually higher now than it was before the Rona. So if the market didn't go down on coronavirus, why in the world should it go up just because there's a vaccine? Of course, we know the answer to this question. It's the Fed. The artificially low interest rates and the money printing have juiced the markets, and this isn't going to go away with a vaccine. So I think a lot of people in the market are just thinking, hey, we'll get the best of both worlds here. We'll get an improving economy with a vaccine and higher corporate earnings, plus we'll still get the monetary stimulus. I'm certain if traders actually thought the easy money spigot would close with a vaccine, the markets would be selling off right about now. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell spoke on Tuesday, and he promised that the central bank will not end emergency measures too soon. And he once again called on Congress to pass additional fiscal stimulus. He said the U.S. economy still has a long way to go before it fully recovers from the pandemic. He said, quote, the Fed will stay here and be strongly committed to using all of our tools to support the economy. And he said the next few months may be very challenging. Now, this is all Fed speak for the money printing ain't ending anytime soon. Powell also said the emergency lending facilities will likely stay in place for the foreseeable future. Quote, when the right time comes, and I don't think that time is yet or very soon, we will put those tools away. Look, the Fed can't end this extreme monetary policy. Let me repeat that it can't do it. Not now. Probably not ever. As Peter put it, the economy has now been given such a massive jolt of this monetary heroin that there's no dialing back the dosage. I've said repeatedly that the Federal Reserve has no exit strategy from this extraordinary monetary policy. In fact, it never could extricate itself from the extraordinary monetary policy it launched during the Great Recession. Today, we're merely witnessing the same policy on hyperdrive, and there is still no way out. Just ponder these numbers. Going into the Great Recession, the Federal Reserve balance sheet was at about $880 billion. After the Great Recession and three rounds of quantitative easing, the Fed blew its balance sheet up to over $4.5 trillion. The Fed tried to pull that back. Now, through quantitative tightening, the Fed managed to get it down to just over $3.7 trillion before the stock market tanked in late 2018, and the central bank abandoned its plans to normalize monetary policy. At that point, it ended balance sheet reduction and dropped interest rates three times the following year. Not only that, it relaunched quantitative easing. Of course, the central bankers kept insisting it wasn't QE, but it most certainly was. Now, this was all before the pandemic. Most people assume the Fed started growing its balance sheet again as an emergency measure in response to COVID-19, but the balance sheet was already back over $4 trillion before the coronavirus even reared its ugly head. The pandemic, of course, pressed the easy money accelerator to the floor, and today the Fed's balance sheet is over $7 trillion. Here's a little more perspective. Since 2008, the Federal Reserve and the U.S. government have pumped more than $36 trillion into the U.S. economy, but they have bought very little in terms of economic growth with all of that massive investment. I'm using air quotes around investment. The Fed has pumped in roughly $12 of liquidity for every $1 of economic growth. You see this cycle more clearly if you go back to 1999 at the height of the dot-com bubble. Each boom created by the Fed's monetary intervention, has failed to attain the level of economic growth seen in the previous. In other words, as the level of money printing rises during each crisis, the level of growth in the preceding boom falls. Just like the addict suffers diminishing returns and needs more and more drug to get him high, the economy needs more and more stimulus simply to maintain the currently tepid level of economic growth. On top of that, it has incentivized trillion-dollar debt, both government and corporate. Rising interest rates in this high-debt environment would crush the economy. That's another reason the Fed can't get out of this. On top of that, the markets are totally dependent on the Fed. The central bank has conditioned the markets to the point that every time the Fed tries to step back and normalize monetary policy, the market forces it to reverse course and step back in by selling off and tightening financial conditions. This is exactly what happened in late 2018. The stock market threw a tantrum as the Fed nudged rates up and shrank its balance sheet, and Powell immediately reversed course as already noted. So here's the $64,000 question. If the Fed couldn't exit then, how is it going to exit now with another $3 trillion on its balance sheet and rising? So in a nutshell, the Fed is in a cycle of forever stimulus because the answer to that question is obviously it can't. That means the central bank is stuck between the proverbial rock and hard place. It can't withdraw the emergency monetary policy, but continuing it forever comes with its own risks. At some point, prices have to surge, especially if the COVID vaccine really does breathe some life into the economy. Nobody wants to talk about it, but the specter of price inflation is the monster hiding under the bed, and he's going to come out from under there at some point. That, my friends, is why a COVID vaccine isn't bearish for gold. People are selling gold on the possibility of a vaccine, and that's just nuts if you ask me. The Fed monetary policy isn't going away, and it may even get bigger. I'm still pretty certain we'll get fiscal stimulus once the election stuff settles out. That will mean more debt monetization by the Fed, and by that I mean printing more money. So there's no reason to sell gold based on a coronavirus vaccine. I would argue you should keep buying gold based on the fact that the Fed is going to keep printing money and it's going to keep rates at zero, vaccine or no vaccine. To close out the show, I wanted to touch on another pernicious effect of this loose monetary policy that really doesn't get a lot of attention in the mainstream, and that's the effect On savings. Now, we know artificially low interest rates are a boon to debtors. That's why they do it, right? They want to incentivize borrowing so people will spend and consume and stimulate the economy. But there is a flip side. We're told easy money will bolster the economy as consumers and businesses take advantage of these low rates. But if you're trying to save money, this is anything but a boon. In fact, it's nearly impossible to save for retirement in the current interest rate environment. Today, your average Joe is forced to invest and increasingly riskier assets in order to generate enough money to retire on. This isn't only a problem for people hoping to save enough money to live comfortably in their golden years. It also bodes poorly for the broader economy. Savings provide resources for capital investment and future economic growth. Lack of savings now probably means a weaker economy later. So how tough is it for savers? The current interest rate on a 30-year Treasury is around 1.5%. It's been fluctuating around that for the last week or so. Shorter-term yields are lower than that. This is a great deal for Uncle Sam, who is trying to borrow trillions of dollars to fund its massive budget deficits, but not so much for savers who depend on fixed income securities such as government bonds to protect the principal of their savings while also generating some income. you know this was an old school saving model, but it 's virtually impossible to employ this strategy in today 's interest rate environment you can 't just suck money away in the bank and let it earn interest or buy government bonds and let them earn interest and then hope you going to be able to retire comfortably. Let's say you wanted to maintain a retirement income of $30,000 per year. In order to do that, you would need to hold at least $2 million in treasuries to generate that income. For the average working person, simply saving money and putting it in the bank or investing in low-risk bonds isn't a viable strategy. So as a result, anybody who is serious about saving for retirement is forced to chase yield by investing in much riskier assets, i.e. stocks, junk bonds, mortgage-backed securities, real estate, etc. Et now, it's certainly possible to find higher yield investing in these assets, but with risk comes, well, risk. You could end up losing a lot of money as well. People who were on the cusp of retirement when the 2008 financial crisis hit and had tens of thousands of dollars in the stock market or in real estate know this pain all too well. And not only are savers battling low yields, they also have to go toe-to-toe with inflation. Rising prices eat away at savings, and the Fed does this on purpose as a matter of policy. Think about it, 2% inflation target. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot, but over year after year, 2% adds up. And, of course, now the Fed has decided that we're going to go over 2%. Trevor Dare summed it up in an article published by the Mises Institute. He wrote, If the Fed is successful in keeping the interest rates artificially low and debasing the value of the U.S. dollar with increasing rapidity, one might reasonably conclude that most people are going to suffer financial and economic hardship in the future. The value of people's savings and fixed income assets, generally viewed as the safest kind of assets, is going to decline, while their cost of living is going to rise. This is the express." stated goal of the Federal Reserve. Basically, the Fed and the government are stealing your savings so it can lend money to other people at cheap interest rates. You need to factor this in as you plan for your retirement. Like I said, this is by design, so we know it's happening. Speaking of which, did you know you can invest in physical gold and silver in certain IRAs? If you're interested in learning about this, Talk to a SHIFT Gold Precious Metal Specialist, give them a call at 1-888-GOLD-160 or shoot them an email at info at and they can give you the lowdown on how you can make gold and silver part of your retirement portfolio. Well, that is a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more, and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week at shiftgold.com news. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap over at iTunes or on the Shift Gold YouTube channel. We're also on Stitcher, Google Play. You'll find links to this all on the show notes page. I really do appreciate you listening to the show. I hope you have a great Thanksgiving, and I will talk to you again on Black Friday.